Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 35 to 58. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives it its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in honor, uh, in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as, if, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks so much for reading, Jessica. And it's great to be with you. And it's a real joy for me to be able to share uh, this passage with you today. It's been a real encouragement to me this year. And I pray it be an encouragement to you too. Uh, but why don't I lead us in prayer as we begin. Father, thank you so much for your living and active word. 
Thank you that you have the words of eternal life. And we pray that you would uh, do us good today. And pray that you would exalt your son in his name. Amen. Well, we made it. It is the last day of 2023. And at the end of the year, I want us to, or I want to ask you this question. How has gospel ministry been for you this year? As in, how do you feel about the work of building up God's people as we encourage each other here on a, on a Sunday or midweek, or as we try to reach out and share God's word with those around us who don't know Jesus? The work that every Christian is involved in, uh, wherever God has placed you, how has gospel work been for you this year? Uh, some of us might be feeling on fire. Uh, we've had loads of good conversations. Uh, we've invited our friends. They've come to the events. Uh, we've enjoyed coming to church. Uh, we've enjoyed coming to home group. And we're raring to go again in the new year. But for others of us, we might be feeling pretty tired, pretty weary, burnt out. Uh, there's been so much change over the past few years. And frankly, we're just feeling tired, uh, unenthused about gospel work anymore. Uh, deep down, we want to be more loving. We want to be more encouraging. Uh, we want to give more time to church things. We want to be more bold in our evangelism. Uh, but I just can't make myself feel and do those things. It just feels too big a sacrifice. Or perhaps there's been pressure from family or from work to just tone down, to just scale back on our Christian service. Um, I remember on a few occasions this year, praying desperately to the Lord before going to church, Lord, help me, because I really don't want to go today uh, because of that difficult conversation I was anticipating, uh, because I just had too much work to do, because I was just shattered. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And on top of how we feel about gospel ministry, uh, the work itself just looks so weak, doesn't it? It looks so inefficient um, in our culture, which prizes instant results. Uh, you don't see instant results when you encourage a brother or sister. Uh, you don't see instant results when you teach your kids how to pray. Christian ministry is just slow and often bears invisible fruit. And so we're tempted to think, well, why bother? Why, why invest in this work? Uh, is gospel work really worth my time and energy and money? So however we're feeling here today, uh, Paul writes this letter to encourage us, to inspire us with his own example of gospel grit, of perseverance in gospel ministry, uh, in the work of the Lord. Have a look at verse 58, that key letter. Uh, a key, key, key verse of the whole letter. That would be a great verse to take into the new year uh, because Paul wants us to imitate his example of being a people who give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know that this work, this labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, the uh, Corinthian church struggled with gospel work. In fact, they hated it. Uh, they hated anything that would involve sacrificing your bodily comforts. Uh, they had a, a king of the world kind of mindset. They were all about living the victorious life, living your best life now. And that stemmed from a wrong understanding 
of their bodies. Uh, they thought their bodies had no future. Uh, you know, this life is all there is. So I'm going to live uh, to squeeze every drop of pleasure out of this body now as much as I can. Which ended up destroying the church uh, because they were boasting in their leaders. They were boasting in their sin. They were boasting in their spiritual gifts. They had no love for each other. And so, of course, that split the church apart. That tore the church apart. It was essentially a worldly kind of Christianity they had. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians to set before them his own model, his own example of what genuine spirit-filled Christianity looks like. He holds up his own life as a, a model, an example for them to imitate. A life full of sacrifice and hard labor in order to build up the church which of course looks very unimpressive. And so the world saw the Apostle Paul as scum. And throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul has been urging the Corinthians to imitate his uh, lifestyle and forsake their self-indulgent, king-of-the-world kind of Christianity. Uh, but rather to imitate Paul's scum-of-the-world uh, kind of Christianity, a, a, a life of sacrifice and labor uh, to build up God's people. Um, I'm sorry it's not on the screen, that was my fault, um, but if you have a Bible, it might be worth flicking to chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10, this is how Paul describes his own ministry. Uh, Paul says, we are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, but we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. And verse 15, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And again, in chapter 11, verse 1, he says the same thing. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Uh, that's the big purpose for which uh, Paul writes this letter. He wants the Corinthians to imitate his self-sacrificial mindset, his scum-of-the-world kind of lifestyle, uh, which puts himself last in order to build up the church. And what does imitating Paul look like? And um, how does Paul describe his own ministry? Well, verse 13 of chapter 4, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the garbage of the world. And so what is the world's opinion of the great apostle Paul? Well, it is scum. It is the layer of dirt uh, that floats on top of that, that puddle in the toilet floor, or perhaps a more relatable image, um, skid marks on the toilet. Um, kids, that's the, the stubborn bits of poo stuck on the toilet that you can't get off. Forgive, forgive me for the, the graphic image, but that is what the world thinks of Christian ministry. That is what the world thinks of, of, of the Christian lifestyle of Christians. It is utterly ridiculous and worthless. And so what does it look like to be a genuine, spirit-filled 
Christian? Well, it looks like the Apostle Paul. Uh, Sacrificing your time and energy and money and desires for the sake of building up God's people. For the sake of non-believers being brought in to the church. And what is the reward? Well, you look like scum to the world. Skid marks on a toilet. And you won't get paid for it. You might even lose your life for it. And that's been the obvious, uh, that's been the message of uh, 1 Corinthians up till chapter 14. And so the obvious question is why, right? Why? Why on earth would I want to imitate Paul and his scummy Christianity? Uh, Why would anyone want to be a Christian if it is all about sacrifice and hard labor? Are we literally pouring our lives down the drain? Well, thankfully, the letter doesn't end at chapter 14 because now, in chapter 15, we get to the climax of the whole letter, where Paul now gives the motivation, the reason why we can sacrifice our lives for the church, to build up the church, and why we can imitate Paul's scum of the world kind of Christianity. And so, what was the fuel that sustained the sacrificial ministry? Uh, of, of Paul? And what was the fuel that kept that fire burning in Paul's heart? What was it that kept this man going uh, throughout his immense suffering? Well, it was the truth that our bodies will be raised imperishable like Jesus. And that's our first point. Our bodies will be raised imperishable like the Lord Jesus. Um, the Corinthians back then and the world today uh, believe in YOLO, right? I don't know if people still use that phrase today, but you only live once, YOLO. But the reality for Christians is, is YOLT. I forgive the cheesy acronym, but Y-A-L-T, you actually live twice, uh, which isn't a James Bond movie, if you were wondering. And the problem for the Corinthians is that they didn't believe in YOLT. They didn't believe that we have a future resurrection coming. And that is the underlying reason for their YOLO, king of the world kind of mindset. Because they think the future is purely non-physical. They thought that their physical bodies now uh, was all there is. And so, of course, if this body is all I'm going to get, then I'm going to live it up. I'm going to squeeze every drop of pleasure I can out of this body now. And so in chapter 15, Paul addresses this key issue. And he says that if you deny the future bodily resurrection of believers, then you end up denying Jesus' physical resurrection. Uh, Which, of course, then means that you end up destroying your faith if you don't believe that. Uh, Jesus has risen, indeed, as we were singing earlier. Which means that we, too, will be raised. But the question now is how? How is it possible that dead bodies can be raised? Of course, we know that scientifically that is not possible. And that's the question in verse 35. Have a look down, verse 35. But somebody will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And Paul then initially answers by uh, showing that even nature teaches us about the resurrection. Verse 36, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Uh, When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. 
Essentially, in these next few verses, Paul argues from biology that it is God who brings life from the dead. Uh, just as a seed needs to die uh, before it sprouts, uh, so our bodies need to die before being given a new one. And just as there are different kinds of bodies with differing levels of glory in the universe, uh, like the sun and the moon, uh, so our resurrection bodies will be vastly different to our earthly bodies. Have a look at verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And so the future will be physical. I don't know if you've ever ever thought of that. Um, Often our culture thinks that we'll just be floating around like angels, strumming on harps. But no, we will have a future physical resurrection body. Uh, Yes, it will still be us. It will still be us. But we'll have vastly different, uh, superior resurrection bodies. Our bodies will be raised, imperishable. And they'll be glorious because they will be like the resurrection body that the Lord Jesus had and, and still has. Verse 47, the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. And so just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, the first man, so we will also bear the image of the second Adam, the the, the heavenly man, the Lord Jesus. Every time I come back to Hong Kong, I'm always struck by how obsessed our culture is with immortality. It feels like every ad I see is, is about some kind of anti-aging skincare product or, or pills. Um, I was on the MTR the other day and I saw a, uh, a big advert um, about some anti-aging pills, I think, uh, with, the, with the big le- uh, Chinese letters, Mo Han Yik Ling, which roughly translates as uh, infinite anti-aging, which I thought was a, was a slight exaggeration. Um, but it captures the, the sentiment of our culture very well, doesn't it? Uh, we hate aging. Uh, We hate bodies that fail, and we long for bodies that work. We long for bodies that that, that live on, that can beat death. But sadly, we know that that is is not possible in this life. Even Elon Musk himself could not engineer an immortality pill or whatever. Um, But in the Lord Jesus, in the resurrection, we will have glorious resurrection bodies that cannot fail, that cannot die. And in these bodies, there will be no more broken bones, no more COVID. We won't need to take vitamins or medication. We won't need to use crutches or wear face masks or apply sun cream anymore. Uh, In these bodies, we will have struggles uh, with how we look and how we feel, uh, with all kinds of aches and pains. Uh, But we don't need to become obsessed or, or depressed about them because we know we have a far better one coming. Our bodies will be raised imperishable, like the Lord Jesus' one. But not only will these be uh, superior upgrades to our current earthly bodies, but as we are raised, we'll also be triumphing 
over death. That's our second point. We'll also be triumphing over death once for all. Have a look at verse 50. Verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A few months ago, you may have heard of the uh, sad uh, death of Matthew Perry, the actor who played Chandler Bing on the popular uh, uh, TV show Friends. And his death was a real shock around the world. And there was a mass outpouring of of grief. And his uh, uh, fellow cast on Friends uh, said that they were utterly devastated by this unfathomable loss. And so whilst death happens uh, every day in every country, Uh, It is always still an unwelcome intruder. It always hurts. It is always still painful. Uh, If this life, if all there is, uh, if YOLO is true, then death will always have the last laugh. But in the new creation, uh, death will not win because our resurrection bodies will triumph over death because Jesus will have destroyed death once and for all. Death will not even exist. Verse 54, death will be swallowed up in victory. Paul even taunts death in verse 55 by turning a quote about judgment from Hosea into a taunt of victory over death. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And so in the new world, death will no longer win. Death will no longer take away our loved ones. Death will no longer strike fear into our hearts. And if you're not trusting in Jesus today, then then death will be your greatest fear and enemy. Uh, Death looms over our lives, waiting to claim its victim. But only in Jesus Christ alone is there real hope. Uh, Only in trusting the one who has defeated death is there any hope in the face of death. So why not have a look at the Lord Jesus yourself? Uh, Why not come along to uh, the Hope Explored course that we'll mention earlier on, uh, starting next week? That would be a great thing to do, to look into the claims of the Lord Jesus himself. And if we're trusting in Jesus here today, then that is our future. Uh, We will have far better, immortal, imperishable resurrection bodies. And if that is true, then the revolutionary implication is that this body, uh, this life now, is our spare life. Uh, Let me say that again. If the resurrection is true, then it means that this life now is our spare life. It's a bit like like this. Um, Does anyone recognize what this is? It's uh, it's actually an 
MP3 player, believe it or not. But it looks a bit like uh, a, a Nokia brick phone. Now, if you're over the age of 25, you probably would have owned uh, one of those before in your youth. Um, and uh, I wonder when you upgraded to your uh, presumably current smartphone. Um, I was actually quite late to jump on that bandwagon compared to my peers uh, because I was quite happy with my Nokia brick phone. Um, it was actually my parents who convinced me to, to get a smartphone because they wanted to communicate with us uh, via WhatsApp. So, 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 I, so I gave in in the end. Now, in the days leading up to getting my new smartphone, um, I, I, I no longer treated my, my brick phone um, I'm li like a treasure, or well, not that I cared much about it anyway beforehand, um, but it, because I knew that I was getting that upgrade, it meant that I was a, a bit more carefree uh, with my uh, Nokia brick. Um, I, 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 I didn't mind dropping it or uh, using it as a table tennis bat a few times uh, or even losing it. And our bodies now are a bit like that Nokia brick phone. Uh, because we know we have a, a superior upgrade coming. And so it means I don't have to obsess over the, the body now. Uh, you know, imagine if the day before I bought my new smartphone, I, I wrapped this up in, in bubble wrap and uh, I bought some stickers. I don't know, is that what people do? Uh, stick some stickers to decorate my, my phone. And uh, I pay some money to download a few more games, if that was even possible. Um, that would make no sense, right? I mean, it's basically become my spare phone. So why would I treat it like treasure? And in a similar way, our bodies are basically now our spare bodies. Uh, because our real bodies, our upgraded future resurrection bodies, the bodies that we were made to have, is still to come. And so like the Apostle Paul, it means that we can spend and sacrifice this body now, this spare life, for the work of the Lord. That's our third and final point. We can spend this body now in the work of the Lord. Have a look at that final verse again, verse 58. And that's the big punch of Paul's letter. Verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because this life is our spare life, because we will have far better resurrection bodies, it means that we can sacrifice and spend this life now. It means that we can take some risks in this body now and give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The work of building up God's church, the work of gospel ministry, calling people uh, to come to Christ, the work of building up each other, encouraging each other, speaking the word of God in love to each other when we gather. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't care about our bodily health at all. Uh, of course not. But it is a shift in our mindset, uh, which I know is a, is a big shift in our health-obsessed Hong Kong culture. Uh, but it means that we shouldn't be precious about our bodies now. Our bodies are not meant to be perfect and disease-free now. And so we aren't meant to treat them like a china plate. But as Paul says, as we've sung earlier, our bodies are not our own, uh, but belong to the Lord. And they are meant to be used for the glory of the Lord Jesus. 
So why would you uh, give up uh, Wednesday evening to encourage your brothers and sisters at home group? Uh, Why would you risk your reputation at work to share the good news with your colleagues? Uh, Why would you bring your children to church on a Sunday morning uh, instead of that sports game or, or club? If there is no future resurrection, then all that sacrifice is madness. If YOLO is true and there is no future resurrection, then we would be the saddest and most pitiful people on earth. That is what That is what Paul says earlier on in the chapter. Because why would I bother pouring out my life in sacrificial labor to serve the Lord Jesus and his people if I'm just going to die and have nothing at the end? That would make no sense. It's been uh, immensely encouraging this year, studying alongside men and women at Bible College who are faithfully, sacrificially committing their lives to, to the work of the Lord. Um, take uh, Andrew, for example, uh, a dad in his 40s with a young family who's cut back on his work recently to, to study part-time at college and to give a bit more time to church things. Or a friend, Aaron, who's uh, facing pressure from his in-laws uh, because he wants to give up his job as a physio to go into full-time ministry. Now, why would anyone make those kinds of risks? Why would anyone make those kinds of sacrifices? And without the future resurrection, they would be complete and utter fools. But like Paul, we can be considered scum by the world, fools for Christ. Because we know that we will be raised with imperishable bodies like the Lord Jesus. Bodies that can beat death. And so we can spend this body now in the work of the Lord, the work of building up God's people. But still, you could ask, well, why would I want to do that now? Just because I'll be uh, compensated in the future doesn't actually motivate me now to, to, to give myself fully now to the work of the Lord. Well, I think the key is found at the end of verse 58, where Paul says, our labor is not in vain. As in the work itself, the labor itself, the work of the Lord itself will not be in vain because the work will last forever because if the work of the Lord is about building up his uh, God's church and if it's true that believers will will live forever uh, then it means that this work is immortal Uh, this work will last because ultimately death will not win verse 54 as we saw death will be swallowed up in victory in our future resurrection Um, All of our work would ultimately be in vain if death still stands there at the end of time waiting to consume all that we've worked for. But praise God, because of our future death-defeating resurrection, uh, this work is immortal. Uh, The work of building up the church will last uh, because the church will live on. Every earthly project on this earth will expire. But at the end of time, only the work of the Lord, the work that builds up God's church, will stay standing. Now, for some of us, this might be a big challenge to reorient our lives around the work of the Lord. A good litmus test might be the uh, craziness test. If you asked a non-Christian friend of yours uh, to describe your lifestyle, um, what would they say? Uh, Would they say you're pretty wise? 
because you basically make the same kinds of decisions and priorities as them? Uh, or would they say you're crazy because the sacrifices you make to live the Christian life is frankly ridiculous in their eyes? Uh, for others, this is a, an encouragement to keep pressing on in the work of the Lord, uh, even if we're feeling weary and discouraged, even if we can't see much fruit from our labors. We can take heart uh, because this work is immortal. It cannot fail because the church is the only building project on earth that will last. Now, the sacrifices we make will look different for each uh, one of us, depending on the different context we're in, the different life stages the Lord has placed us in. Uh, and we'll need to figure out what it looks like for us to give ourselves more fully to the work of the Lord. Now, it certainly doesn't mean that all of us uh, give up our jobs to go into full-time ministry. Of course not. It might mean that for some of us. But in a sense, all of us are already engaged in full-time ministry. We're all full-time ministers uh, because we're all involved in this work of the Lord, in the work of building up God's church as we speak the word of God with each other, uh, to our families, uh, here at church, to our colleagues, as we seek to bring them to Christ. Which also means it's a really great leveler in our work-obsessed culture. Because it means that whether you're the CEO of a company or you're looking for work at the moment, it means that we can all be involved in this work, uh, the only work that has true eternal significance. And so whatever 2024 may bring, let's keep standing firm. Let's keep giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, especially if it becomes more costly for ourselves, for our families, especially if the pressure to keep our mouths shut increases. Uh, let us keep reminding each other of our future resurrection and pour out our lives together as we labor for this immortal work of building up God's church. Have a look at the second half of verse 52 again. Verse 52, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his death-defeating resurrection. And thank you that in him, uh, we can too have imperishable bodies like the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for those uh, bodies to come uh, when he returns. And we pray you'd help us uh, to keep laboring for that work which builds up your church. Help us even if we're discouraged and unmotivated and tired. Uh, help us to keep pressing on, uh, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Jesus' name. Amen.